0: I'm Bill Finn. You may remember me from other popular podcasts like This American Lice, Daycare Disasters, and The Crafty Brewtown Strangler, the Limited Edition Killer. Take it from me a good podcast is like a fine wine, perfect for binging. It's season three of the Bait and Switch Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Bait and Switch Podcast. I am Chris Beyer, as always, with my co-host Jim Martin. Hello, everyone. Tonight, we've got a special guest. It is Dave Larson from Milwaukee's alternative newspaper, The Shepherd Express. Good evening, Dave.
0: Well, good to be here with you. It's kind of like being back on television again, except that the the, the lighting isn't perfect and there's no makeup uh, person to work on me, but uh, I'll, I'll try to there. do the best I can. What's your title at the Shepherd well, Express? I'm now managing editor. I used to be arts and entertainment editor. Sure. I want to go back to the start
1: of uh, the Shepherd Express. I understand that you really started at the paper called The Express, right?
0: Yeah, The Express was something that I did after graduating high school in 1978 with Kevin Kenny. And Kevin Kenny went on, he left town, went to Atlanta, formed a band called Driving and Crying, recording artists. They're still active today. So Kevin and I met in study hall uh, when I was a senior at John Marshall High School here in Milwaukee. We shared an interest in punk rock, which was a whole new thing at that time. We decided to start one of the earliest punk fanzines in Milwaukee, which became The Express real quickly. The motivation for me at the time was this. All the rock critics in Milwaukee were old people. They were 30 years old or something at that time. That seemed really ancient to me. And I thought that 30-year-old people had no business trying to comment on the music of my generation. So uh, I thought that since nobody else was doing it, I'd uh, do it myself. Actually, we talked that we might have a connection here.
1: My brother was in a band back in the early '80s. The modern values do you remember that band from the:: oh, early yeah. 80s? Yeah. yeah. with uh, Dean Shabalowski? hmm And he's gone right. on to the Waco Brothers down in Chicago, I think.
0: He hit the big time, left town. That's what <laughs> At one time you thought you had to do that to hit the big time, but uh, I'm happy to have stayed in Milwaukee. I dreamed of going to New York. And I went there and I realized after about two hours that Milwaukee would be a, a more fitting place for me. More opportunities for somebody like me in a smaller city like Milwaukee, but a city big enough to afford many opportunities. I mean, Milwaukee was never a cultural wasteland. Milwaukee always had something going on at every point. And, but the competition of a city like New York was uh, very daunting and you know I'm, I'm glad i stayed on in milwaukee but some people left and 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 made a good career for themselves the connection was dean was in a band with my brother
1: the modern valleys my brother was the drummer of that band oh cool good. yeah and when i mentioned that to blaine he knew of uh, the guys and he knows of uh my brother's current band called the mod violets
0: oh the mod violets i love the mod violets i've yeah. about them i've written about them a couple of times yeah, my brother's the drummer, along with, uh, what, Mark, Mike, and Russ. Right. Well, two degrees of separation here in Milwaukee. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. Not too far. Now, you mentioned your partner at The Express, Kevin Kinney, his band that he founded in Atlanta, Driving and Crying. They're kind of a mid-range success. You know, they they had some hits. Kind of a Southern rock type band, right?
0: Well, sort of Southern rock. Real good songwriting from Kevin who evolved into a really an excellent lyricist and songwriter. Southern rock, I mean, I I would just call them a really good rock and roll band. Southern rock, I I think of Marshall Tucker or something like that from the 70s, Elvin Bishop and stuff like that. So no, they don't really sound like that. They sound like a good, good rock band.
1: How about uh, one of their members was in a version of the Black Crows, maybe a band kind of like the Black Crows a bit.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So, no, they've had a good, good history. They put out an excellent album in 2019, and I think they're going to continue on for a long time. So
1: you were the, the express side. The shepherd, it was called, what, the Crazy Shepherd, right?
0: Crazy Shepherd, yes, named for a uh, poem by Allen Ginsberg with the line, uh, something like, hail to the crazy shepherd of, of the middle class. Something to that effect. Footnote to Howell, I think, was the name of the poem. And it was founded in 1982, several years after The Express was going by a bunch of UWM students as mostly a, I guess, political satire publication at the beginning, almost sort of pre-Onion in a way, as far as what they were trying to do. Okay, and then you guys merged. Yeah, I had nothing to do with that. I mean, I, I actually left The Express... In the early 80s, I, I spent uh, 14 very busy years writing for the Milwaukee Journal, and I, I did writing for Milwaukee Magazine. And in 1987, when I, had, when I had nothing to do with the Express or the Shepherd, the two parties merged, which was a very smart idea because you know Milwaukee really can't sustain innumerable numbers of media outlets. So it was a good idea they did that. Uh, Shepherd Express is a, is a peculiar name and uh, people wonder is, is it a, a evangelical Christian trucking company or what is Shepherd Express I mean it's, it's an odd name but you know we live in the era of Google and Yahoo and Amazon so I think Shepherd Express sounds just about right for the 21st century yep. I got a new idea for a name you're called Shepherd Immunity <laughs> Shepherd Immunity yes <laughs> Um, <laughs> now we, we have survived, so maybe there is something to that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so anyway, now you worked for the uh, the journal. You said, what were you writing there?
0: Well, I got a, my my phone rang one day, and the one of the editors at the time, Steve Byers, uh, called me and, and asked me if I wanted to to write for them. And I think that their idea was I was going to cover. All the real young hip stuff uh, circa 1981. And so I was happy to do that, but I was also happy to become a generalist for them. I ended up doing writing about everything except the news and business sections. I did a lot of writing for the old green sheet, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. Human interest stories. I did an article about a man who collects pencils and then a man who collects pencil sharpeners and did you,
2: bring the, did you bring the pencil guy and the pencil sharpener guy? Well, they they, they, you know, they, did you...
0: The pencil guy was really alarmed to learn that there was a pencil sharpener collector. <laughs> Seriously, This is somebody collecting the thing that destroys <laughs> objects of value to him. So he was just very really flipped out by that. I guess
1: there's a yin and a yang for everything, right?
0: <laughs> there certainly is. So, uh, I, I did some art writing. I wrote a couple of movie reviews for them. So I, I did just about whatever I could get.
2: No, no comics, though. That's what I remember about the green sheet, because that was about how old I was. I was old enough to read, like, Family Circle and, you know, Marmaduke. Well,
0: if, if I had drawn Family Circle, I would be, be making a lot of money, yeah. you know, royalty <laughs> probably, at this point. So, uh, no, unfortunately, I never, never got into that.
1: <laughs> and then uh, there was one more merger I noted, that uh, there was a smaller tabloid again, the Metro, right? Oh, the Metro,
0: kind of a... Uh, leverage takeover in a way, as it turned out. And so we took it over with the, the idea that, that there really can't, again, there can't be two weekly alternative newspapers in Milwaukee. There just isn't enough business out there to support two of them. And so, yes, we, we merged the two together and after a short period of time killed the Metro name. Shepherd Express Metro, that just even complicates the name a more. <laughs> It doesn't roll easily off the tongue. It, it suggests all kinds of weirdness to me. So anyway, we're as happy to dump the metro part of it and just continue on.
2: Makes sense to me. Yeah.
1: What is the Shepherd Express known for? I, I, like you said, it's alternative. I'd say progressive.
0: Right. I mean, the word alternative, you know, I don't know what that word means exactly anymore. I mean, that, that's been a very commodified, overly merchandised term, meaning whatever you want it to mean to get away from that word alternative, let's talk about progressive. That's one of the three things that we do really well. Uh, We have a particular political slant that nobody else in town has. We tend to champion so-called progressive causes, but what, what does that mean to be progressive? I think it means that you have a sense that there is a possibility that the world we live in can be made a little bit of a better place. Nobody else is doing it here in town, so we have the lock on progressive editorials and a progressive slant on the way we cover the news. So that's one thing we do. We've always been a music paper, going all the way back to the express end of it. uh, We've always been known for covering local bands in particular, but also national acts coming to Milwaukee. And in recent years, we've become a very comprehensive guide to the performing arts and visual art in museums and galleries here in the Milwaukee area.
2: So we do those three things. Very yeah. nice. So you as the managing editor, what, do you, what is your job then?
0: My job is to read, edit, assign, and to some extent write everything that goes onto our website and into our monthly magazine. And so the writing part of it, I, I tend to cherry pick uh, and do the things I I enjoy doing most. But sometimes, like any other job, I get stuck with stuff that's less interesting. We have a very small staff at this point. But fortunately, I've recruited a lot of freelancers over the years. And much of the content is freelance generated. I like getting ideas from freelancers. I also assign things to them. And so it's a back and forth kind of editorial an editor writer relationship. Sure.
1: Now big uh, newspaper in town, the Milwaukee Journal, that you did do work for, they stopped doing editorials, right? When did they stop doing that?
0: Oh, <laughs> I don't know exactly the date of that, but let me let me say something about that, though. I was very fortunate in bailing out of the Milwaukee Journal about two months before the merger with the Sentinel was announced. I can't claim to have known that it was coming. But I decided to take up the job of arts and entertainment editor at the Shepherd Express because I thought there was more of a future at that point in what a weekly newspaper did than a daily newspaper, which I think was being less and less read even at that time. So when the Journal and the Sentinel merged, I think that it was done in a very terrible way. There was probably a good business reason for merging the two of them together. They're owned by one company anyway, and they could... uh, Uh, economize on expenses, but they they managed to get rid of many of their best people in terms of of how they merged the two together. They ended up with a kind of bland, middle-of-the-road editorial position. The journal used to be the liberal paper in Milwaukee. The Sentinel was the conservative paper, and they ended up being some kind of uh, vanilla pudding with a couple of almonds tossed in for flavor. So I I think I, I would say they deserted the editorial realm a long time ago.
1: You wanted to be involved in a paper that took a
0: stance. Yes, I, I did, because I always saw you know, myself as a kind of activist journalist. My roots actually go back even before the Express. I was a 16-year-old kid working for an underground paper here in Milwaukee called The Bugle American. That's where I got my start, and that's where my primary influences came from. And this was a paper that, that thought it could... The things that wrote, the things that publicized, have a, a positive impact on on Milwaukee in terms of changing the city and broadening uh, social and cultural outlooks. So this is where where I was always coming from as a writer for other publications, Journal, Milwaukee Magazine, or whatever. Naturally, I modify uh, what I do to fit the the context, but you know, inside, underneath all of it was my desire to try to promote the things that I think are important and meaningful.
1: And it's hard to do that in a large corporate environment like the journal.
0: Yeah, although I'm gonna say I was given a great deal of freedom there. I mean, I took assignments about many things I had no interest in particularly, but I did have a weekly music column for many years. And I was able to write my own ticket covering some very obscure things that, that you wouldn't think would be in a daily newspaper back in those days. Nice, like pencil guys, and pencil sharpener guys. Well, yeah. no, that was an assignment. <laughs> I, mean, I never would have thought of the pencil collector as an article. So how are those guys doing today? How about yeah. a, follow-up
2: yeah, a follow-up on that? follow-up, there the you
0: go. The pencil collectors, I don't know. I guess, uh, you know, the, those are, are real nostalgic items now. I mean, people don't use pencils very much anymore, do they? But that's good if you're no. a collector because you you're, you can find them in pristine shape and more easily.
1: You know, Dave, we'll give you a second to grab a pencil to write these ideas down because these are gold. <laughs>
0: I've got, I've got a pen here. So good. not good enough. Yep.
1: You've taken some people over from the journal, including yourself, uh, Joel McNally, Right for you guys, right?
0: Yeah, Joel, Joel McNally was actually the editor of the Shepherd Express for a couple of years back in the late 1990s. His coming on board was a real milestone for us. And Joel is now living in Virginia, and he emails me his column every week, and it's a great column. It's one of the foundation stones of our news section. It's the kind of thing that seems to have spanned many generations. Joel is a a generation older than I am, but people, you know, two generations younger than me tell me that they read his column. So I think it it remains one of our, our, you know, great successes having him on board. He was known for being one of the edgier columns in the journal. Well, he had a very funny music column for the journal for many years. He kind of got started there the same way I did. He was young. They said, we'll give this kid music to write about. He knows about all this (laughs) weird stuff. And so he did that. But I think that he always really wanted to become more of a political commentator and social commentator. And after a while, they let him do that. And he was extremely controversial in that role because he wasn't afraid of busting people's balloons and tweaking a lot of uh, you know commonplace attitudes that people have. What about Art Kumbalik? Is that how you say his name? Art Kumbalik, yes. Art, Art Kumbalik uh, was never at the Milwaukee Journal, to be sure. He was. Right. Uh, he actually began uh, as a columnist for. You know, my, my my history is very complicated. I had a, sh- a short-lived, for a year or two, monthly uh, newspaper called Loose and Lewis was pri- primarily music-oriented, this was mid-'80s, and Art Kumbalik was a stand-up comedian in Milwaukee, and we you know, identified him as as being a, a potentially funny regular columnist. So he began there, and very soon migrated over to the Shepherd Express.
2: I was gonna talk about funding, I guess. So you guys are primarily funded by um, uh, advertising, I would imagine, right? Because it's a free paper, it's a free magazine, so, so what are you advertising? And then there are uh, some type of little subscriptions you can buy, actually, right?
0: Well, right. We, we anticipated the free model of the internet by decades by, by giving the paper <laughs> away free. Right, I mean, right. The idea there, and, and it, it worked pretty well, was that if we give it away for free, the circulation will be much higher than if we tried to sell it. The higher the circulation, which we have, have always had verified by outside auditors, the more the circulation, the more advertising you can sell. Because if, if you're selling uh, 100 copies of a newspaper you know, per week, you're not particularly attractive to many advertisers. But if you're giving away fifty or 60,000 copies a week, then you have something you can take and say, look at this. Look at this um, audience we have here and look at this um, demographic, which we also have verified by Media Audit, an outside company that does surveys in the Milwaukee area of uh, people's media consumption. And so we've been able to, to come up with this, this really interesting pie chart of who reads the Shepherd Express, where the percentages lie, and so on. So yeah, advertising is the, the, the main source of revenue. Um, subscriptions, yes, there are a few of those. But we also got into the special events business in recent years. We had a very successful cannabis conference at the uh, Expo Center downtown in February, and we were planning on having another one in 2020, but then COVID happened, so it's been postponed to 2021. We have been doing an event called Stein and Dine, kind of a beer and cheese and sausage, uh, all Milwaukee kind of thing at State Fair Park. We did an event uh, several times called Woman Up, kind of uh, focused on on our female readers. Uh, We've done other kinds of events, too. We also acquired our own advertising agency called Water Street Creative, uh, which has has a client base, and that provides uh, us with an additional revenue stream. So it's it's, it's gotten to be multifaceted.
1: It's a privately held company, is it?
0: Yes, uh, there is one owner, Louis Fortas, uh, a local person who uh, you know is very supportive of the idea of uh, progressively slanted, independent, locally owned uh, journalism, because one of the problems throughout America right now is the homogenization of the of uh, media companies, where you have a few big players who own almost everything. I mean, look at the way that the journal Sentinel has passed uh, from one hand to another. In recent times, just like it's a piece of uh, you know, a swamp property somewhere that becomes part of a package deal for some other larger holding company, uh, this is not a healthy uh, move because the owners of uh, media outlets like that you know, obviously have uh, very little real interest in the communities they are supposedly serving. So locally owned is very important. I wish that every newspaper in America would go back to being locally owned, every radio and TV station, Uh, but unfortunately, we are in the minority now for being a locally owned uh, website and newspaper. Yeah.
1: I see he was a state assemblyman for the Fighting 11th in Wisconsin some years back.
0: Uh, Yes, he has a a very keen interest in, in politics, and that was what brought him into the newspaper. Yeah.
1: And that's how you guys all found each other. The Shepherd guys found each other back at UWM. And you said you met Kevin, where did you meet him again? At, at college? Well, high
0: school, John Marshall High School, uh, yeah. Buddy Hall. So uh, uh, yeah, well, I mean, we're all Milwaukee people. I mean, that's a common denominator. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. And you're all drawn together by these, this love of music and progressive politics and local events and things like that.
0: Yeah, that, that is our, our, our primary mission. I mean, I, I do write about Hollywood movies and independent films. We, we review albums by national recording acts and we do other things because obviously these things are important to people living in Milwaukee. The main thing that we, we, we do, aside from hopefully providing intelligent commentary on film and music and other things is to look at what goes on here in Milwaukee. Milwaukee is the thing that's of most important to us. It's where we live. It's not just where, you know some investment that we've made. You know, as we sit back in Singapore or New York, and wonder where Milwaukee actually is. I mean, this is this is where we are. And so, our mission is really to try to show off the positive things being done in Milwaukee in the arts and music and politically
2: we're milwaukee-based also obviously wauwatosa and, and we like to keep things local as well you know we've been approached by a lot of these big companies too to take us and we're not doing it i mean you know we're, we're not we're not going to go that route either i mean we're going to stay you know in our little niche and that's how we like it so if they try
0: well i think i think we're on the same uh, team here more or less they covered our 20 downloads a day oh yeah mm-hmm. it, it might be a very important niche demographic though yeah.
1: Right, and that's how we kind of came together. I came up with the idea that, that you guys could cover another growing art form, which is podcasts.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if this would mean like a podcast review column, or it would simply mean that we would do uh, articles from time to time on local people like yourselves who are doing a podcast. Something that, that, that I will give some serious thought to. Uh, but yeah, I definitely want to do an article about you and All right. if other podcasts come to my attention that are being produced here in town, um, you know we'll There are uh,
1: there aren't others. There's no, no others. No, just no, us. Yeah. Okay. Nothing, monopoly.
2: Yeah. Nothing yeah. comparable anyway. I mean nothing yeah. you want to waste your time with. You
1: All know. right. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously you got you got music and you've got what are the other art forms uh you got go ahead. The what are the other theater, art forms you cover?
0: Theater, dance, uh, visual art. We review restaurants. I mean, chefs have become the rock stars of our time, I guess. I mean, we, we write about local entrepreneurs. We, I, we did an article recently about a guy who made the this sort of anti-mega hat, a kind of blue hat with a progressive uh, slogan on it. We've done articles about people in town here who are manufacturing and distributing masks during the, the pandemic. It's a it's a wide variety of things that we cover. We're looking for people here in Milwaukee who are doing something interesting and something that's constructive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was your high school
1: band name?
0: Uh, I I would never really d- dignify the word musician by attaching myself to it. So uh, the the only thing I, I performed in in a, in a walking street band called The Spot, which was a a project of Brian Ritchie, who also attended John Marshall High School at the same time that Kevin and I were there.
1: Brian Ritchie of the Violent Femmes.
0: Violent Femmes, yeah. Maybe our listeners don't know,
1: but how were the Violent Femmes discovered?
0: (laughs) Okay, well, they were playing on street corners uh, a lot early in their career uh, because they could, for one thing, uh, they they could play acoustically. They didn't need to haul amplifiers around. I think there were ordinances against uh, what they were doing on the street because you, know, you didn't see street musicians in Milwaukee in those days, but they got away with it. One day they were playing out in front of the Oriental Theater on the corner of North Avenue and Farwell on a day when the Pretenders, the British and Anglo-British, Anglo-American band, rather, uh, were performing there. And Christy Hines, the singer, happened to walk out and he, she saw them performing. And she invited them uh, to be the opening, the unannounced opening act at their show that night. So they got a lot of publicity from that. Did that directly lead to a recording deal? No, uh, they never heard from the Pretenders again. But what they did was they circulated demo tapes uh, wide and far to uh, any label they could come up with, and eventually Slash Records signed them.
1: Oh, Okay, all right. I thought that uh, the Pretenders thing really led to it, but. That was just one stepping stone.
0: It, it was a much publicized stepping stone. It's a great story, a good bullet point in their resume, but it didn't directly lead to, to their success. Okay. Well,
1: hey, this is the end of the first half of our podcast. We talked about the Shepherd Express, the founding and, and the history of it. In the second half, we're going to talk about the future of your publication going forward. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So let's take a little break and we'll
2: come right back. Join us next time on the Bait and Twitch podcast for the conclusion of our interview with the managing editor of the Shepherd Express, Dave Larson.